This is the Cherished You Podcast. I am your host, Rama. This is an evergreen content warning. Um, This podcast talks a lot about abuse and uh, trauma and surviving from both. Uh, We talk about narcissistic abuse. So please understand that if you are not comfortable with talking about those things and your mental health openly and honestly, maybe with not uh, so much polish, uh, this may not be the space for you. Also understand that uh, this ta- this podcast also tackles uh, societal issues of racism, capitalism, um, patriarchy, misogyny, whiteness. So if any of these I um, these topics trigger you, please feel free to leave this space and um, without comment and without any vitriol. Um, and that is perfectly fine for both you and I. Thank you. Welcome back. Um, this episode, I'm going to be talking about, um, I guess this is a content trigger warning for people. Um, I'm going to be talking about um, mental illnesses, trauma. And um, so I'm going to be talking about some depression and, and anxiety a lot on this one, ADD as well, neurodivergence. And a couple of things I want to preface with before I dive in is that this is educational content. This is not medical content. This is not a substitute for a diagnosis. Um, please talk to your doctor. Um, this is not medical content. This is not uh, therapy. This is not in lieu of any of those things. This is um, just education. So please take it with that in mind. Okay. So now that I got that out of the way, um, I, I call, uh, depression, anxiety, and ADD, the trauma trifecta. Um, I think that, um, in my, with, in my experience with my clients, it's almost all of them have depression and anxiety and they fall on the more, divergent side on the neurodivergent spectrum. So um, I wanted to, and then there's also a heavy dose of ADHD or really what I like to, what I would love for it to be renamed as executive dysfunction. <coughs> so I'm going to dive in a little bit um, to give you guys some context about why I'm coming, um, like how, how I approach these things from a non-pharmaceutical um somatic trauma-informed kind of way. Um, One thing um, right off the bat that I do want to um, make clear is that mental illness of any kind, and I have not yet been disproven by this, and then um, I I have to give a shout out to Dr. Mate, Dr. Gabor Mate. If you haven't read any of his stuff, I think you really should, um, where mental illness of any kind is a result of trauma. And it, it is childhood trauma, it could any kind of trauma, really. And then then also, with my context, I always bring in the systemic trauma that we incur existing in the world the way it's currently constructed. Um, neurodivergence, on the other hand, and why I don't actually like ADHD or ADD being part of that, um, being part of like a neurodivergent diagnosis versus, you know, being a mental health diagnosis that is under executive dysfunction. And I, I, I do differentiate between ADD and then neurodivergence. Neurodivergence is a naturally occurring phenomenon. 
um, in nature, when in order for the uh, for the perpetuation of species to happen, um, you need a more um, diverse characteristics to be present within a species in order for it to survive. That is the core of how evolution and the um, the existence, continued existence of a species occurs of any kind, plant, uh, bacteria, micro, microbe, human, any kind. And as humans, our bodies are about as developed as they will ever be. The internal structure of the ways that our body are, the ability for us to walk on two, uh, two feet upright is a process of evolution as well. We've pretty much evolved physically as much as we can. Really the only place where there is left for nature to do its job and to evolve humans to be to continue on further is with our brains. It is the space between our ears and that little mushy organ that exists there. Neurodivergence is nature's way of evolving and preserving the human race. It is a naturally occurring thing. Um, we are not meant to just have one way of doing things, and that's supposed to apply to everybody. That literally makes no sense. In the context of we are humans living on a living planet that's like a rock floating through the space around the sun, like... That's not how this works. We're not just one brain. Our brains are diverse. The way that our brains um, experience our external and our internal world are diverse. That is literally how we are going to evolve past this point, which when you take that into account, it makes sense why there's so many people obsessed with AI. Because like, if you, if you kind of say, oh, well, humans have done all they can, now it's up to the machines. Who the fuck is making the machines? Like I, this is something that I've never quite understood about people's obsession with robots and AI and all that stuff. These are all tools that are created by us. The algorithms are created by the humans. It will only be as good as the humans who created them. Can they go out of whack? I really don't think so. Maybe to a certain degree and like, and then also there are people who love to put the fear of everything into everybody and be like, oh my God, the machines are going to take over. Yeah. This is a topic that I will dive into on another day. But the whole point being that neurodivergence is a naturally occurring phenomenon and it's where the evolution of humans will continue is going to be with the evolution of our brains. Now, the reason I like to differentiate that from ADD, but not necessarily autism. Autism, I believe, does is, um, is a, um, an example of of certain neurodivergent um, characteristics combined with some some trauma. So the, I think that's more of a mixed diagnosis because the people who are autistic, they, um, they, they do require some, um, th there is some, like there, you can tell when you, especially like, because um, I, in my psych, in one of my psych rotations, we had some experience with early, um, autistic kids, they're two, three years old. And you can kind of see early on that they're not um, engaging in the world the way that you would expect them to be. And that's a whole different expectation is also another rabbit hole to go down another day. Um, so I do believe there is a little bit of trauma involved as to how they hit like certain milestones, but I also think that is a result of the fact that their brain is more, has more diverse characteristics to begin with 
and um, they don't engage in the world the way that doctors expect them to because they don't feel they don't necessarily need to feel the need to fit into the world that way. They don't use social cues the same way. They don't, um, they, they just don't use the world the same way that the majority of, you know, semi-diverse, neurodiverse people might experience. So I, I don't know if I'm stating that very well, but I think autism is a mix between neurodivergence and trauma and, and, and a topic for a completely different day because it's um, much more complex than it looks like on the surface. But ADD and ADHD, um, I th uh, really, sh in my opinion, should be renamed as executive dysfunction because that is the hallmark um, characteristic of having ADD. Um, and also um, there is almost always a so much trauma involved with with people with ADD. And especially when you, especially now when I see like, I work with a lot of women, right? So I'm seeing a lot of grown women in their 30s um, at least the majority that I come across, and they are being diagnosed with CPTSD and then ADD. And really, um, I think that ADD is just like, you know, one of the offshoots off of complex PTSD. Um, because once they start to heal their trauma, all of a sudden their brain is able to do all the things that they weren't able to do before. And they felt like it was like some sort of inherent flaw in them which is not what neurodivergence is, um, there is no flaw in you. Like neurodivergence is not a pathology. It's not, there's not a problem with you. Um, ADD is executive dysfunction. The, the part of your brain that you're supposed to have control over, conscious control over, you cannot exert that control. There's something in your experience that is preventing you from doing that. So that is a an example of a flight or flight response. <laughs> like you're like, it's, it's almost like freeze, like executive dysfunction is there's this thing I want to do, but I am stuck in place and I cannot do it no matter how much I tell myself to go do it. And I'm supposed to have complete control over the executive portion of my brain. Why can't I do that? That's a freeze response. That's a freeze trauma response. So that's really what I think um, gets lost. So now that I've done all that, we're going to go dive into depression and anxiety as well before I go more into ADD. Um, depression and anxiety are two of the mental illnesses I saw, I see most common with my clients. Um, that there, and that, I mean, if you really break it down, it makes so much sense. Um, you're going to be depressed because there's these feelings of hopelessness and unworthiness that comes from being abused by a narcissist being abused by a narcissist who's your primary caretaker, most cases it was the mother, um, makes sense. We talked about the mother wound last week. This is kind of like an extension of that. Um, anxiety comes from um, not the unpredictable nature of a narcissist in the home. Um, same way that if you have anxiety that comes from social narcissism it's because the unpredictable nature of your social environment um it, your external more you know this your your outside world 
same same kind of deal you're going to be scared to go out to meet people because you don't know who you can trust you don't know who's stable you don't know who's going to fly off the handle and you don't know when they're going to do it um so your that's the way of your brain dealing with that is to internalize all of that uncertainty and turn it into anxiety where you're trying to come up with every possible scenario you're trying to um you know you're you're always on edge all of those things you know our nervous system response to unpredictability and a continued unpredictability and then um, not understanding the con like having irrational consequences to um, given situations that is where anxiety comes from these are and it makes sense that you would see these in trauma survivors especially childhood trauma, it makes absolute sense why you would see these the most common. Um, it's it's a sad truth. And I know that having lived with it myself for so long, both of them, um, the overthinking that comes from anxiety, that, and then you add that, add that on with the, the hopelessness and um, the exhaustion, um, and not really physical exhaustion, by the way. There is this mental exhaustion that comes from depression. And, um, and by the way, with a lot of the clients that I've worked with, with myself that I've noticed, um, you are actually very, very functional with both of these things. I didn't miss school. I didn't, I wasn't lying in bed all day. I was not, not eating. I was actually overeating, but most people wouldn't understand, wouldn't, wouldn't see that. Um, I showed up to, I show up to work. I engage with people. Um, it's internally, it is not being able to disconnect and give my brain um, the rest and lack of input that it needs to kind of reboot itself. Um, it's not sleeping well at night. Um, it's not being able to sleep. It's drowning yourself in your screens wherever you can find them so that you can just not be with you, dissociating. Um, with women in particular, depression, I think mental illness presents very differently than it does um, when you're when you're taught it clinically or even when you read the descriptions in the DSM. Those are based off of very archaic white man examples of what these diseases are supposed to look like. I think they look completely different in women. I think they look completely different in women of color. And I think it looks completely different in the context of both familial and then social narcissistic abuse. You learn how to function in that kind of abuse. You learn how to function within it. That's kind of the whole point. Think about this is, this is when the concept of cults come in, it comes in very handy. Cults are inherently actually super functional because if they were dysfunctional, people would notice them so much faster. The thing is that they're not. You feel functional in that environment until you realize that you've internalized so much of the abuse to just continuing to live with it that it becomes a problem. Um, narcissistic abuse is just that. Um, you are very functional within that environment so that you actually don't realize for a while that there's something wrong. The only reason I knew I was depressed is because I attempted suicide twice before I was 20. And I knew at the very least that that wasn't normal. But um, I, I didn't know for the longest time that I even had anxiety because overthinking, overanalyzing, um, making sure that um, 
I was constantly prepared for anything that could possibly happen. Um, all of those things were just such a normal part of my life because I didn't want to get yelled at. I didn't want to, um, piss off my mother. I didn't want to piss off my mom, then piss off everybody else in the process because I was always the scapegoat. Um, I didn't realize actually all of that was anxiety until I was in my 20s, in like mid to late 20s. It wasn't until um, I started to, I I went on a mission at one point to heal my depression. It was in that process that I actually ended up healing a lot of the anxiety. And I was like, holy crap, which one was which? And it's hard to tell, especially from a childhood trauma perspective. It's really hard to tell because they both kind of go hand in hand. And again, you are incredibly functional with those two things so that you actually may not realize that what you have is depression and anxiety. And, you know, now with therapy, Instagram and therapy, Twitter, and <coughs> and I, I'm not saying I have nothing against therapists going online and, and, and disseminating information. I think it's actually incredibly helpful. But what does happen is that when you are trying to figure yourself out and you have a trauma background, which is most of all of us, um, labels are very, um, need to be handed out very judiciously. And I actually don't even think that therapists do it well all that much. Um, but what happens is that if you realize that you have depression or if you have anxiety, then all of a sudden you are depressed and you are anxious and it becomes a part of your identity. And I think that's really problematic when really it's just a manifestation of your trauma. The same way an insecure attachment style is going to be a manifestation of your trauma or overeating is going to be a manifestation of your trauma. Like these things are not set in stone. These things are not who you are. You are none of those things because you are not a pathology. You are not something to be fixed. You are not something to be analyzed. You are not something that has to be medicated. And I, I really like, I, I, I know that I've had clients in the past who come with me and they have this list of diagnoses and they're like, oh, I'm just trying to learn how to, how to deal with it. And I'm just like, deal with what? You have trauma. And if you feel what you need to feel and you heal what you need to heal around your trauma, a lot of these symptoms that go under this diagnosis won't be there. And then you'll know when the symptoms pop up again, oh, hey, there's something I'm not dealing with right now. Let me go and deal with the thing so the symptom goes away. Your body is giving you information, but you by no means are a pathology. You are not a diagnosis. And that's my only, like, that's really my 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 big annoyance with having such um, widespread um, educational info on mental health is that there is no room, there's not a lot of room for nuance on these, on these channels, on these social media platforms. And then when nuance, and, and in this particular case, and really in every case, but particularly with mental health, nuance is so very important. And, um, and it's, it's helpful to have other people who have gone through something similar so you can see how it kind of manifests differently in each person, but also to understand that it doesn't, um, it doesn't define who you are. Who you are is underneath all of that stuff. Who you are is, is what 
prompted you to go and look for an answer because you know that these things that you think are you are not really you. Um, the thing with depression and anxiety is that when you add in neurodivergence, which almost, you know, all of us fall on that spectrum somewhere. Um, it's just a matter of knowing what is neurodivergent and what is a pathology, like, you know, what's a diagnosis, so, so to speak. Um, but what I find really interesting is I happen to attract a lot of clients who are um, heavy on the neurodivergent scale. They think about things differently. Um, they they pick up on things differently. And I will say this, a lot of that has to do with their trauma. I'm really good at pattern recognition. Why is that? Because I had a very unstable mother uh, growing up who I I could tell when I walked in the door from school um, what kind of day she was having. And I figured that out when I was like seven, probably earlier, but my first conscious memory of being able to do that was at seven, um, which is crazy. Now, now that I've healed a lot of trauma, I can, I now can recognize patterns without the added, um, fight or flight response in my body, which is nice. So I, that's how you separate the trauma from the neurodivergence because, the trauma will give you, your, you will have a physical reaction. Your body will have a physical reaction to what you are experiencing, what your brain is being able to pick up on. Then there's my, my brain who just happens to see things, likes to zoom out and kind of see things as a whole and is able to zoom in on a detail and then is able to see in sections where I can see, okay, well, there's this, there's no one large pattern, but there might be like three smaller patterns within this kind of, like, you know, whatever this construct is that I'm looking at. Um, it's also why I was, um, why I, 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 why I wanted to go into psychiatry when I was in med school, because, um, psychiatry to me was actually kind of all of medicine rolled into one. It's just not taught that way traditionally. And so I was just like, okay, well, you can't all just be medicated your way out of your problems. There has to be all of these kind of moving parts. That's why I was attracted to that because there were so many moving parts and it kind of always kept me engaged. It just turned out that it was, you know, devil incarnate. So, you know, we just didn't go there, but <laughs> that's a different story for another day. But Again, that's how you separate. Um, and this also, this happens with trauma healing. You're not going to get there overnight. Um, so you can have the manifestations um, of your trauma as mental illness, right? The depression, the anxiety, the bipolar, the schizophrenia, the, the dissociative identity, all those things are all as a result of like really severe trauma, right? And then, then there's there's almost always a neurodivergent component a lot because, you know, our, our brains are not going to fit into a box, you know, our, and our experiences change how our brains form. This is childhood trauma. Your brains are not fully formed yet. So there's, you know, where there might have been grooves. Now you have, um, you know, different pathways that kind of went through there. Um, maybe your brain folded a little bit differently because you went through, something when you were five, that the person who didn't go through that when they were five, their brain kind of, you know, went a different direction. Um, there's so much with the brain. I think it's just, it's really hard to, 
to understand because A, it's an organ that you can't regularly just measure. Everyone's experience of it is different because our brains are different. And that's honestly what makes humans so fascinating to me. Um, not only do we have these amazing bodies that know exactly what to do and how to do it, when to do it, like, you know, you don't have to tell your body that when you get a cut that you need to go through all these steps to start healing that cut. It just knows what to do. All right. But at the same time, our brains are these fascinating things of jello between our ears that it's encased in a tight compartment. And we could put a hundred people in a room and they could watch the same thing and experience it completely differently because of what they went through and how they see the world. Like that's fascinating. But to compartment compartmentalize everybody into being like some disease that's just unfair like you're really just gonna you're gonna completely discount everybody's experience because they they because they don't function the way that you function and there's also something to understand that you know what yes like depression is a mood disorder all right some people's moods are naturally going to be a little bit lower some people are naturally a little bit more volatile than others but there the point is that is how <coughs> none of us are going to fit into a solid box but if these if the things that make up these conditions these diagnoses start to interfere with your ability to do what it is that you desire to do for your ability to function the way you want to function that's when it becomes a problem. And that line is different for a lot of people. Medications can only work so well because the system inherently is traumatic. Not only were our childhoods traumatic, not only is our existence traumatic, our environment is inherently traumatic. So how do you reconcile all of that with, oh, well, you just... You're depressed. Yeah, hell, I'm depressed. I'm being exploited for my labor. I have to live in a world where I can't afford anything because there's a whole, there's, there's a group of 100 people on the planet who want to hoard everything. And why isn't their hoarding looked at as a problem, but my being depressed about the fact that they're hoarding and I can't do anything is the problem. So, you know, that's that's kind of like the back and forth that has to happen. And the thing is like, again, I, I feel, I keep feeling having to need to say this, is that mental health diagnoses, mental illness diagnoses are helpful in trying to understand that trying to give a name to to something is always, I think, to some degree is helpful. But we're not inherently broken. We're in a broken system. If the system didn't exist, we wouldn't have 95% of the problems that we see. It's because the system is inherently broken. Um, we, the system is broken, and then that's, that means our existence, like the beginning part of our existence, where it is so imperative that we be, we have to be, we have to take care of the children in a certain extent. That has to happen. Otherwise, the children do not do not develop properly. That is not up for debate. That is fact. We've seen this over and over again. So 
if you are depressed and anxious in a world, in a capitalist, white supremacist world, um, I'm going to argue that is the exact proper reaction you're supposed to be having. In order for the system to continue, it needs, it needs us to feel like we are the problem that needs to be fixed because then we never look at the system as the problem and the problem is the system. And I know, I feel like I've been jumping around a lot with this episode um, because I've, again, I've spent my whole life trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And it wasn't until I was like 32 when I realized like, I can't possibly be the source of all of my problems. Like it's literally impossible for me to be the source of all of my problems. Like my environment had nothing to do with it. The system I live in has nothing to do with it. Really? Like you're really going to tell me that, that that's the true? Yeah, because I don't believe you. And and I think that it's really easy in this world to pathologize humanness because it's so like it's so much easier to control you to control all of us if we just, you know, hey, your feelings are the problem. Your, ex- your, your perspective of your experience is the problem. You manifested all this. Like, that is such utter bullshit. And I will say this, like, if you have been, ever been diagnosed with a mental illness, um... Just understand that that is a normal reaction to have to a completely abnormal system. And then one last word I think I'm going to say. Um, I, I know I said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Um, ADD, ADHD, and neurodivergence I don't think belong in the same category. ADD, ADHD is primarily executive dysfunction. So the executive section of your brain, executive um part of your brain is um, really only available to you when you are conscious. And um, it's part of your neocortex. So it's a newer portion of relatively speaking in the grand scheme of things. This is a new the newest portion of your brain. Um, It is also easily hijacked (laughs) by all the other older parts of your brain. Um, so if you're in an emotional state, all of a sudden you're not able to do the things or think as clearly or be as logical because the paleo part of your brain, the older internal part of your brain completely hijacked all of the resources from your executive portion of your brain. And <coughs> executive dysfunction, um, really just what that means is that you want to go do something, say that you want to go and um, answer a text message and you can't. You try to tell yourself, okay, brain, we're going to go answer, pick up the phone and answer the text message and you can't. That is, that is not a normal reaction um, to have when you're the executive part of your brain is has you have complete control over it like it is under your conscious control it's not like you're breathing it's not like your heart rate none of those things um that falls into like i said in the beginning under like when you have all of the nervous system responses to to fear 
That's the freeze response. And I like depression and anxiety and ADD. I think it's important to understand why they are not illnesses, but they're trauma responses. And as you learn to resolve your trauma, as you learn to heal and deal with your trauma, those reactions get less and less. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to say this again, and I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I feel like it's necessary. We live in an inherently traumatic world. The society we live in, the systems we, are, we, we live within are inherently traumatic. So the reason these conditions are chronic is because our trauma is chronic. So yeah, there's going to be times when, when like right now, in the middle of fucking winter, I got to go and work 50 hours a week. When really all my body wants me to do is to rest. Like I just want to relax because that's a normal response to when it's cold. It's cold. There's not as many daylight hours. I don't feel like doing crap. It is a normal response to want to hibernate because guess what? Most every other species that's in this part of the world is doing just that. But I'm not allowed to. I can't live. I can't eat. I won't have a home if I don't work. That's the social system. So yes, I'm going to feel a little bit more depressed this time of year because I'm forced to do things against my biological instincts. And these are instincts, by the way. These are hardwired into us. It's we, the reason why security and rhythms are so important is because our bodies move with the sun. The sun is telling us to do X, Y, and Z. We are forced to go against that. That is going to cause you to feel depressed. That is going to cause you to feel anxious. Those are normal responses to an abnormal system. I hope this makes some sense. Um, like I said, this is educational material. This is not a substitute for a diagnosis. This is not a substitute for therapy. This is not a substitute for a, a doctor. I have to say all those things. Um, but it's really important to understand that there is a difference between an illness and then what is a normal, like nature's normal response to having a species on the planet, which is like neurodivergence for us. And then also your illness is a, is a normal reaction to an abnormal state. And so I'm, I'm going to say what I say a lot in my private life, and I'm probably going to have to start saying it more publicly now. Um, the solution to all this is to change the fucking system. We're not meant to live like this. This is fucking stupid. And you know who knows that? The rich. The uber wealthy know that really, really well. That's why they've learned how to exploit everybody else for their own needs. But I'm going to go more into this stuff probably uh, in the next couple of weeks. But for right now, hopefully that helps. Again, I'm always hoping to give out just enough medicine for someone so that they don't feel isolated and alone because none of us are alone in this. But they want us to think that we are alone. We are not. And if you are going through something that feels isolating and uh, debilitating and you've been told that you are the problem, let me tell you, most likely you are not the problem. You cannot possibly be the source of all of your problems. 
Um, again, I hope this helps someone and um, I will talk to you all next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Cherished You podcast. If you could please leave me a review, um, subscribe and share. It really helps get the podcast out to those who it will help the most.